It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The wink is to me, it says, I'm a creep. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. I'm tough, Master guys. producer. Are you, guys, are you guys welling up? I'm welling up. I've got chills. They're multiplying. I'm more emotional. There's another song oh, you can put behind it. Why don't you put that song behind it? I'm more emotional about this that. than I was about Titanic. <laughs> I told you guys, when I saw Titanic, I was tanked up and laughing so hard when people were sliding off the deck. But I'm moved and touched emotionally by what I, I just heard. Actually, for a while, it looked like uh, we were watching the Vikings version of Titanic in the first half, and then things turned around. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, really? <laughs> I mean, they were they were down by a touchdown. Real after that game, and you just went there already. Four oh three, come on, no, man! I said in the first half. I said in the first half, it looked it looked like that. That was a fun, fun that, day of football. This is like I you know, we've all been sitting here now twenty four hours after that magnificent, incredible win by the Vikings, and I'm still on a football high. I mean, that was just like. Top five most fun I've had watching Vikings football in my life yesterday. It was the unexpected win. It was All right, rank Kirk em. Cousins. Rank them. Your top five. Well, Minneapolis Miracle. So this is so, just to put the, the umbrella on it here, this would be top five most fun I've had watching a yeah. Vikings football game. Okay. And, and you started. From start including the finish because. And you started 98, right? That's not on the list. No, no, no. I'm saying you started. We're we're talking oh, about a starting point. Like, no, not the 98 <laughs> NFC title game. You started you watching them in about 95 or 98. I, I, I actually consciously remember watching Vikings games in the early 90s. Okay. But they didn't do anything. I'm not going to put a regular season game ahead of what we saw yesterday. So Minneapolis Miracle would be number one. And I don't, I don't know if there's anything that would be above this. I think I think this was the second most fun I've had I, watching I know, Vikings football. I know how it ended, but talking about how much fun the game was while watching it, the NFC Championship, up until the point that Brett Favre throws Dude. the interception and blows it, that had to be an incredibly fun football game to watch. It was. From what I can remember, right? If we're just talking about fun entertainment value over the course of three hours, yeah. not how necessarily the emotion you felt afterwards because of the outcome, but just fun and entertaining. 98 for the, the first half was outstanding. The Vikings, you thought that they were going to roll. Okay, but like what you're saying, though, is let's take the, the 2009 NFC Championship or the 98 game. You're saying, hey, it's a 60-minute massage. And at the end, <laughs> she stabs you in the spleen. You don't have but for the first 59 minutes, it was the best massage of I my life. I thought you were going. No, I thought you were going Goodness. in the very obvious yeah, place thought, that Rami thought yeah. you were going. No, you're talking about 98. And, ye- and yesterday, a happy ending at the end of the day. And yesterday had a happy ending. <laughs> that's, 
That's what I thought you were about to say. So did I. You get the 90-minute massage and... No, 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 no. Would, you, no. would you like the touchdown ending or the missed field goal? I'll take the touchdown. No, please. Robert Kraft treatment is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, which... Uh, how can we wrap this massage up? Are you thinking like <laughs> Minneapolis Miracle? Yeah. Or are you thinking like uh, Gary Anderson wide left? <laughs> Give me the, the wide left in. deal. <laughs> I'm married. Give me the wide left. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh. gone off the rails oh, so fast. I didn't see this coming long. either. Wow. It didn't take long. I thought we'd be oh, very football-y yeah. to start the show today. <laughs> Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna be very football okay. today because the Vikings just had one of the most ridiculous wins uh, in recent Vikings memory. Let's start off with a good old fashioned pie chart. The Rock knows how you feel about pie of praise and Saints vent line on the horizon. A Randy Stud stable. Our oh, we have are a Saints us. vent line. We have all of these things. Oh, okay. All and right. We'll get to those things. Okay. Got an open for it and everything. Mm-hmm. But let's start with a pie chart of praise. The Vikings pulling off the upset in New Orleans yesterday. We'll start with Rami. We'll go around the. Room. I have. I have. A, I have. A, I've been working on this all day in my head. I don't put things on paper that don't need to be there in my head. I've been working on this all day, and I have a hard time coming up with it because I want to give the defense so much credit, but I think so much. Of the defense's success and really of the team's success overall comes back to Mike Zimmer. He deserves so much praise for this football game. I think I'm going 60% Mike Zimmer. Because you look at, first of all, the fact that they came into this game legitimately believing that they could win it. Like from, from, from the very first snap, you could tell that the Vikings thought... They could legitimately win this game when nobody else did. And sometimes that's just chatter, and they'll they'll play that card of nobody outside this locker room believes, but we do. I think that was real. I think Mike Zimmer really elicited that from those guys that, hey, nobody believes in us, yeah. but if we do, we can get this thing done. And I think it starts there. Then you look at what he did schematically on defense, down two of their best four cornerbacks in a not very good cornerback core to, to scheme up what he schemed up, to put Andrew Sandejo at the nickelback and task him with being one of the guys double-teaming the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, and, and to do that effectively, putting Griffin and, and uh, Daniil Hunter inside to rush sort of a weak interior offensive line of the Saints and cause some problems and ultimately cause two turnovers by Drew Brees, And then going into overtime to say to Kevin Stefanski and Kirk Cousins, let's go for the win here. Let's go for the kill. Not thinking field goal, not thinking let's take whatever we can get. He said, let's go for the win. Let's leave no tricks in our bag. Top to bottom, for all the reasons that you can give a head coach praise and credit, you got to give Mike Zimmer a lot of praise and credit in this one. So I'm saying 60% to Mike Zimmer. 15% for just the players on the defense. 15% 15% Kirk Cousins, 10% Dalvin Cook. That's how I break down right. the pie. Is that not giving Kirk Cousins enough enough? The Rock pie? knows how you feel about pie. Is that not enough pie I for like Kirk pie. Cousins? Nope. You like my pie? I like your pie. Your pie is perfect to me. Um, actually, it's not perfect. Please get that. I would, I would tweak it just a little bit. But I, I also did not write down a pie chart of praise, and I always do because I always try and give out about seven or eight slices. And today I'm not going to do that because... When I last appeared on the show Friday, I said that if the Vikings held the Saints to approximately 20 to 23 points and won this game, it would be Mike Zimmer's greatest single game planning effort ever. 
And it, I had no idea what I was saying until I saw what he did yesterday. I'm going to give him a ridiculous amount of credit in the pie chart of praise. I'm going to give him 90%. Wow. I'm going to give him the right knows how you feel wow. about pie. He made Drew Brees look like a scared 22-year-old yeah. rookie from some Division three college who just played his first game. The game plan, okay, moving Hunter and Griffin inside is outstanding. Great idea. But then, to Rami's point, Sandejo was playing the slot nickel to start the game, and Collar texted me, and we're both like, what the hell is he thinking? What is he doing? The offense, Cousins, Cook, Thielen, Stefanski, you get credit. You did a really nice job. I thought Kirk was basically Kirk for the first half, but in the second half, he did the thing that we've asked Kirk to do all year long, right? Make a play. Make the play. He made the play. All of that being said... You don't go in there and shut down, and they basically did that Saints team without a game plan that that was that made the Vikings defense look as good as it did. I thought throughout the course of the 2017 season, up until the second half of the uh, Saints Vikings playoff game, that whole layout of that game plan off the charts. I'm giving Mike 90, percent and I'll give Cousins and Cook. And Stefanski, the last ten percent. But the Rock this, knows how you feel about pie. This to me is is the finest one of, if not the finest, game planning. So not schematic, but the finest game planning that I've seen a Vikings coach do, maybe since I've watched this team, starting in nineteen seventy eight. And for one game. To piggyback off both of you guys, so I'll I'll go quickly through my pie chart of praise here. Seventy five percent credit to Mike Zimmer. So I'm kind of between you guys. It's funny because Rami just spent a couple minutes lauding Mike Zimmer with praise, and Judd and I gave him a bigger percentage of the pie. We all agree that Mike Zimmer painted a bleeping Mona Lisa inside the Superdome yesterday. I'm going 75% Mike Zimmer. I'm going 20% Kirk Cousins. Uh, just with those last two throws, 42 yards to Adam Thielen and then to Kyle Rudolph. And I'm going 5% Dalvin Cook for just playing sure. I mean, just being the workhorse that sucked the defense in. And the Vikings ran the ball 40 times, but... Mike Zimmer's ego, in a good way, his ego drove that masterpiece yesterday. Rami found this clip with Manny on Score North Live earlier today. This is Mike Zimmer on NFL Network, correct, Rami? Yeah, with uh, Prime, this is 21st and Prime last night. I, actually, Jonathan was the one who uh, alerted me to this. So this is, I want to play this clip. And listen to this clip, but listen to it as Mike Zimmer a week before the Saints game. Or even before, like, the... the when when the Vikings knew that they were locked into the sixth seed and they were likely going to New Orleans to play the New Orleans Saints inside the Superdome, put yourself inside his shoes and his head when you listen to this. Um, truth. Sometimes it yes. Yeah. yes. He was asked about coaching, head coaching rumors, and being traded to the Cowboys and his job status being in question. Um, truth. Sometimes it yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we won 10 games this year. I've won 60% of my games in six years, third winningest coach in Vikings history, and I have to listen to this crap. He's sitting there all week long thinking, boy, there's trade rumors. There's rumors I might get fired. There's reports from credible national talking heads that I'm coaching for my job on Sunday. Bleep that. Not only am I going to coach for my job, so to speak, I'm going to coach to show all of the talking heads and all the young hotshot coordinators that are supposedly set to take my job, including maybe one on my own staff, and I'm going to coach circles around them. Oh, and I'm going to coach circles around 
Sean Payton, probably a Hall of Fame coach and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like I just put myself in his shoes, and he's the whole week he's thinking, "Wow, everyone's forgotten how great of a defensive mind I am. Everyone has forgotten about it, including potentially the owners of my own football team and the general manager of my own football team." But I hope he's not painting it as those of us who do what we do for a living or who cover this team for whatever outlet that they cover this team are just pulling this stuff out of thin air. When your owner last week is walking around practice, which he doesn't do normally, when you're giving out vote of, when you're putting out vote of confidence press releases, which we all know what those usually mean and what they lead to, despite what the purest intent of those is supposed to be, we know that usually precedes a head coach being shown the door very soon thereafter. We're not just making this stuff or pulling it out of thin air. Dan Graziano doesn't say that it that there's there's real talk of Mike Zimmer being traded to the Dallas Cowboys unless he he has that on pretty good authority. Matthew Collar doesn't put that out there unless he's hearing it to be at least somewhat factual. We don't just make this stuff up. So I hope Mike Zimmer isn't painting it as we're out to get him in the media. That's real. That that perception is real that his job was in jeopardy throughout the season and going into that game on Sunday. But that that game defensively that's what we all expected at some point in time. That bravo, but you did it. This is why the perception that the Vikings defense stunk was erroneous and flat out wrong. I believe they completed the 16 games of the regular season, if I'm not mistaken, something like fifth or sixth in scoring defense. Okay. Yeah. That's still damn good. Yeah. They were a well above average defense. But were they dynamic? No, not really. Yesterday's game was what we all kept saying. Where'd that go? Where did that go? And if Zim sat down and said, bleep this, I'm going to show the, those guys, then I feel like whoever, whoever he was mad at, good job for getting that because you came up with a game plan that we've been expecting. And look, I didn't expect you to waste that game plan on, you know, take your pick, the Lions. Oh, man, I'm going to move. I'm going to show my hand here. But that they certainly didn't waste it against the uh, the Packers Chiefs with Matt Moore. Or the Packers, <laughs> but this but this was the game. This was the game plan that shows what this defense can do. And I don't care how we got here. This now says he still got the fastball. Yes, right. So I don't care how how who's mad at whom, who's right or wrong. What you got was and and the one thing that I will say that works is there's nothing more disingenuous to me, than saying nobody believes. Zim went to training camp and said that, what, Phil, 2016 or so? And we all said, Mike, you're picked to win this division by everybody. Like, this is the biggest ruse that you've you've tried to run, and it's a bunch of crap. But in this case, guess what? He's 100% right. You can go, and you can go back now and say, boys, we beat the Saints, so guess what? We're underdogs again against the Niners on Sunday, or on Saturday. And he's right about that, too. And if that works, also, bravo, that's great. But for Mike to say, well, I was upset that they were t- talking about my job, yeah, they were. And if this worked because of that, because you put together a game plan that, quite frankly, from this defense, we have not seen this type of game in how long? Yeah, it's, 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 and I, and I, I guarantee knowing his personality and knowing how much his ego can flare up sure. in, a, in a productive way, um, sometimes non productive, but for the most part, productive. I know for a fact, knowing his personality, that NFC Championship game from two years ago has been on his mind. And it should be. And he's been waiting for this opportunity. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't get a chance last year. 
and he's been sitting on that game. That that was that was the last postseason taste he had in his mouth. And the, one of the first things he said after the game, too, and we'll mix in all kinds of audio here, but one of the first things he said after they won that game yesterday was, we all know what happened the last time we won a huge playoff game, for those of you that were here. We came out super flat against the Eagles. I mean, he is so in tune with the mistakes that were made a couple of years ago. Does it guarantee they're going to beat the 49ers? It doesn't. But I think him being so in tune with those things gave them such an edge yesterday in that win over New Orleans. What was for, for you guys? By the way, you guys, uh, listeners, you're in the middle of 25 straight minutes of Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Anytime you listen to the show, you're in the middle of 25 straight minutes of Mackie and Jeb with Rami, for better or worse. What was your favorite thing about that game yesterday? Personally? Yeah, however you want to answer it. The fact my hands were sweaty and cold because it was going back and forth. It's why I love sports. It's why sports are great. Because that game was, you were like, are they going to really win this game? You know, are they going to? And it went back and forth and back and forth. Dalvin Cook, that looked live like a fumble. And Phil's like, oh my God, there it is. And I'm like, yeah. I think a lot of people are thinking, oh right, my God. But then God, you there saw it, is. it, but then you saw it, and it clearly was not. You were just waiting for the Vikings thing to happen. Yes. And that was the Vikings and, thing that was going to happen. And keep in mind, too, keep in mind, too, the most Vikings thing that happened in that game in retrospect was not the, the uh, potential uh, PI that was not called on Kyle on the game-winning score, the most Vikings thing was the missed field goal attempt by Will Lutz at the end of the first half. Can you imagine? The most, the most anti-Vikings thing. But no, but it would happen to oh, the Vikings. Oh, gotcha. I'm, yeah. I'm saying, can you imagine the conversation today? If the Vikings had got that kick return at the end of the first half, Dan Bailey had, because that was not an impossible field goal. Dan like 42 Bailey, yards, yeah. Dan Bailey had missed, and today you are you are essentially going from could have won that game to to the kicker cost us can you imagine that but i just i love the ebbs and flows and ups and downs and the game plan was brilliant loved it i think my favorite thing about it i don't know i'm sick sadistic whatever the case might be i didn't have a dog in that fight per se it's good for us that the vikings are moving on for content reasons and for business reasons but i didn't necessarily have a dog in that fight from a rooting interest I love hearing a stadium just go silent. Like, the loudest of stadiums just go silent. And when Kyle Rudolph caught that touchdown in overtime, that was, I don't know, to me, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know if I'm just that sick and that sadistic. There was something very, very satisfying about it from a a viewing standpoint, from an audio standpoint, of that touchdown happening. And you know the excitement that's being, as a matter of fact, I could hear screams from throughout my neighborhood, through closed windows of my apartment. So you hear the elation and feel Call the, the elation of Vikings fans, but at the same time, in that stadium, it was just dead silent. So you mean like the radio call from New Orleans on that? Oh, wow. oh I wow. haven't heard this. Wow. Wow. I haven't heard it. Whoa, wow. Let me hear this. Wow. All right, here we go. Third and goal. Ball on the four-yard line. Cousins in the gun. Three by one to his right. Saints showing pressure. They bring pressure, lob it to the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Touchdown Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> One-on-one in the back corner of the end zone, Kyle Rudolph and P.J. Williams. And the Minnesota Vikings come to New Orleans and beat the Saints. The Thielen one is almost <laughs> better. Here's the Thielen one. Cousins under center. Two tight ends left, single receiver to either side, fakes the handoff. Looks to throw deep down the right side. 
caught Adam Thielen to the two-yard line. Wow. They, go, they go right after Patrick Robinson, and no safety help is to be found there. Wow. Just emotionless. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. Do we have – oh, Jonathan just jumped on the hotline. We, there's so many clips we're going to play throughout the show here today, including we. We do have – Actual Saints fat line. I'm very excited for Saints. I can't Fentline. wait for that. That's got to be good. This is super exciting. To how me. much of that do you think is about the team and the game, and how much of that is just the referees suck and they screwed us again? You know, it seemed like there was in the in the in the clips that I heard here, and it it's not like it's not like Bears vent line where they're just like you know apoplectic about yeah. anything. Yeah, there's some breeze vitriol, little breeze vitriol. Re- well, yeah, I saw some of that on Twitter last night. A little bit of breeze, a little bit of Sean Payton vitriol. Yeah. Hey, do we have just the? I know we've got the the new version of Kirk Cousins. You like that? Hey, hey, you held him to twenty points, man. Yes, you sir. gave us a chance at the end. Actually, this is what I, this is exactly what I was looking for. Just to start over. Try listening to this. So, so Kirk Cousins has been probably the the biggest like whipping boy quarterback in the NFL in terms of starters the last five or six years. It's it's every time he loses a game in prime time. It's a national topic, and this guy is plopped in a playoff game at the Superdome. It's overtime. The most pressure that he's probably ever felt as a quarterback, and he drops a dime to Adam Thielen, and then he ends the game with a dagger to Kyle Rudolph, and he gets in the locker room, and they give him a game ball. So with all of with all of that narrative, try listening to this and not getting goosebumps. Hey, hey you held him to 20 points, man. Yes, you gave us a chance at the end, but I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah! I mean, that's just gotta admit, didn't happen for me. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no goosebumps for me. It Not did really. for me. No, Kirk, I don't know. Like kudos no goose- to him. Yeah, I commend him. And I have but nothing. his but his team is his team is celebrating yeah, him, and they're all in. That's cool. And if Kirk you guys Cus- are so if Kirk Cus- no, well, if Kirk we finally Cus- did what we wanted. Kirk Cousins Make is your type of guy. I'm sure that does things for you. I, don't, I have nothing against Kirk Cousins. No ill will whatsoever. I, I just, have one. I he have, doesn't fire me up. I have one very important question. Game ball to Rudolph. Game ball to Cousins. Why did I not see the game ball that went to Daniil Hunter, who, by the way, made the play of that game with the ball at the Vikings 20 when he picked Drew Brees up and literally looked like he had bought Brees at a Toys R Us and he was a doll and whipped the ball out of his hand. I mean, I saw that. That play. That play, Phil Mackey, gave me goosebumps. That was amazing. It was. And that was also, when we're talking about Vikings you know, in, in these big games and what usually happens, that's one of the most anti-Vikings plays you'll see in a big game. Where, like, the, the Saints are driving and the Vikings need a big play and someone... Strip sacks the quarterback who's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's, by the way, can, can you play that again? Yesterday, I picked up on something on that that I was picking up on throughout the game. Can you play that clip one more time? Hey, hey, you held him to twenty points, man. Yes, you sir. gave us a chance at the end, but I got three words for you. You like that? Did you hear Richard's voice cracking all day? Is Kirk Cousins just going through puberty? I, I, I hate to go. He's like Bobby on, on the Brady Bunch. Like when he was, when he was like when he was doing hard counts and calling out stuff at the line of scrimmage. The whole game, his voice was cracking. His voice was cracking. Right Was he just trying really hard for people to hear? Uh, yes. Is that what it was? In Cousins' defense, that stadium is yeah. so loud. Was he losing his voice? Anything. Is that yes. what he was losing? Yes. His, okay, all right. But yeah, I noticed he's hoarse. Like, what's going on here? Six five one six four six eight two five five. Gentlemen, 
Randy in Cottage Grove is yeah, on the line. Randy, how you doing What's after up, that Randy? one yesterday? Congratulations. Oh, God, doing great. It was a, a kick-ass win. Um, I, of course, you know, some of us were not, didn't doubt, didn't doubt that it was possible. Uh, some of us saw the defense for what it was all year, which is just a, just a strong arm, you know, knock you in the mouth kind of a defense. And uh, that's, of course, what Zim does. And uh, it was good to good to see. And Kirk, uh, we do like that. We love that. Okay, um, we loved it a lot. We were snug. I'm, you know, that watching the replays. Usually, you know, it's a little. I try to be objective, and you know, not get too too bent. Uh, you know, too uh, too biased. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly how I would describe you too. It's never but, never too high, never too low. Well, you know, just staying on top of it. Uh, from a from a stand, analytical standpoint, trying yeah. to be a, you know uh, impartial. I have to admit, though, <laughs> I was watching that film today. It was a little extra snug. It's a playoff uh, victory, and it was uh, it was sweet. I'll just say Football. that. Again. Randy, I never pegged you as an analytics guy. I I, I never thought you'd sit down and grind the numbers. No, I I analyze the game. So oh, I, look okay. at, I look at what happened and I give my two cents. I mean, that, that, all, all the guy. This is what you do if you mock. Okay, if you if you mock, you're you're used to looking at at uh, at different kinds of tape uh, in a vacuum, as they say. You you got to zero in on one player. Well, yesterday there were too many guys. I didn't even know where to begin. It was uh, it was it was the the the, the shots were flowing. Uh, we had a great time. We partied it uh, real hard into the night, and and then of course I stayed up and and worked on the stable. But this is not. I'm going to go ahead and be on a limb here. This is not going to be the last stud stable of the year. Okay. This is uh, this is just the beginning. Oh Zim, okay, if you're listening. You got a lot of a lot of horses, a lot of horses, and no, 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 these guys are all going to get their due. But uh, Sean, Sean Payton, uh, this one's especially for you, Bozo. Okay, you can go ahead and take your your smug looking face and look in the mirror while you listen to some of the guys I'm going to rattle off here. So if you can do the the, the thing, uh, all the music. Yeah, you're fired up for sure, Maestro. There you go, man. All right, this is uh, this is Randy's stud stable. Okay, this is Randy's stud stable. Wild card round of the playoffs. Vikings versus the Saints. This is a special dedication to Sean Payton, who's a bozo. You just go ahead and listen to these studs. We're going to start out with my big stud. Stud number one. And he's the biggest stud of them all. Mike Zimmer, you coached your ass off. You put together a game plan that had everybody's head spinning. Moving Hunter inside. Moving Evans and Griffin inside. Mike Zimmer, you're a stud. How about those two guys I just talked about? Evans and Griffin. Daniel Hunter. Getting inside switching it up, and moving bodies off the line. Daniel Hunter and Evans and Griffin, they're both studs. How about Harrison Smith? Here's a guy who got a little bit confused early in the game. They got that, that bozo player who they move all over the place. And Rhodes and Hughes got a little crossed up. 
didn't matter. He put his big boy pants on in the second half, delivered some huge hits. Harrison Smith, you're a stud. Yeah. How about Anthony Harris? Who that dude? Once again, coming up with a big time pick. We were all snug watching you do your thing. Who that dude? Anthony Harris? He's a stud. Let's switch over to the offense. I want to talk about the guy under center. The guy who got no respect all year long. Well, guess what? Who's laughing now? Kirk Cousins, you delivered the rock right into the breadbasket. That's a hell of a throw, and you're a hell of a leader. Kirk Cousins, you're a stud. How about that guy who caught that pass? Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, you came out flying in that second half. You maybe shook off a little rust at halftime. Maybe had a little whiskey to loosen up that hammy. That's what I do. Adam Thielen, you caught the big pass in the big moment, and you were stud. Wow. Wow, there it is. Randy's stud stable. That's Delvin Cook had some fire in his belly. The whole first half, he was motoring, Mm -hmm. and he was moving guys. And Delvin Cook, what you did in that first half set it all up in the second half in OT. Delvin Cook, welcome back. You're a stud. Yeah, all right. There it is. All right. Randy's stud. How about Marcus Sherrill? Marcus Sherrill is a guy who we've definitely been missing here. Back, you know. All right, here we go. Now that he's back. I will just fade him out. What? All right. Marcus Sherrill's? Well, hold on a second here. This is a wild card win, massive upset, and we just cut off the stud stable. You think, you think we should let him keep going? I'm not quite sure we're doing the right thing. Is he still on the line? The listeners probably want Does he more. still think yeah. he's on? Yeah. I, just... I absolutely love the way that C.J. Ham came to play yesterday. C.J., you're a guy who's got a little bit of bruiser in you when it matters, and you're going to matter on Sunday against the 49ers. C.J. Ham. He's a stud. I didn't even hear C.J. Ham's name yet. Okay, that's, I think that's good. We're good. Yeah, now are you convinced that we're good? That we're good on this, Judd? It's good stud stable there. I hope if they win against San Francisco, we allow the entire thing. At some point in time, we got to get out of the way for Andy. Uh, is he He's gonna already go, is programming he gonna go practice the segment too? Is he going to go down the hole? He's already programming the segment by calling for music for the third consecutive week. Hmm. He was crying two weeks ago. He was crying. Wait, Randy was crying. Oh, you missed it. Yeah, he cried. He called in the Tuesday after the Packer loss and was heaving. He He cried? It was aggressive. He was heave crying. Phil at one point said, are you sure you're okay, dude? And he's just like, fine. Speaking of crying, Saints vent line on the other side here. I can't believe he's still snug 24 hours later, though. I think he's snug 24 hours a, a day, actually. You should call a doctor That's about a that. special type of yeah. snug, isn't it? <laughs> they say if you're snug for more for eight hours or more, you should contact the doctor. I thought it was four. Is it four? I, I don't think know. it's four. I think eight, you're in real trouble. Depends on what kind of fuel you're using. More Mackie and Judd with Rami shortly. Also powered by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here for business owners out there. And, uh, you know, if you're a business owner and maybe you've been uh, on the ropes a little bit, like... Like the Vikings business owners were there. You need you need someone to have your back. You need someone to come through in the clutch like the Vikings had yesterday, for instance, with Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. Well, let Federated be that strong force standing behind your business. If you 
are a business owner in any of these different industries or areas, auto services, cabinet and custom woodworking, retailers, wholesalers, contractors, dealerships, funeral services, machine, plastics, and tooling, Federated is for you. It's all about peace of mind as a business owner. And when something bad happens to the company that you built and that you poured your sweat and blood and tears into, you want someone standing behind you with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get back to running your business. Federatedinsurance.com to find your local Federated representative. And remember, Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Score North Download Time. Jonathan here with the Download Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open now through February 22nd at CHS Field in St. Paul. The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com keyword winter. Kirk Cousins, thanks to these two throws in overtime. Play action. Cousins. Feeling. He's got Inside the five. The ball sitting at the two. Two yards away from a win. Cousins throws. Pass is caught for the win. Kyle Rudolph and the Vikings are moving on. Thanks to those two throws, Kirk Cousins finally gets the big win that's been uh, evading him for his entire career. He said this afterwards about the sense of relief of getting that big win. We won the game today because we played great defense. We got a turnover. We had good special teams. We had great play calling. We had a great plan. We protected. We ran the football. We probably had 35, 40 rushing attempts. There's a whole lot of reasons we won the game. Does the quarterback play a role in that? Yes, but uh, it was a, it was a team win. That's been your score north download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, thank you, Jonathan. You can find all kinds of coverage from New Orleans. Matthew Collar just flew back this morning. A, a 50 minute podcast that was great the second time around. Judd, I'm sure it was okay the it first was time around. Outstanding too. the first time around too until it disappeared. Collar's a warrior though, and uh, he strapped in, and uh, we got 50 <laughs> minutes of great stuff from the post game. On the Purple Daily feed, plus today, two hours of Purple Daily, two more hours of Vikings Vent Line. Yesterday, we took, I don't know, a bazillion calls right after that game was over. So if you're if you're looking for a little extension of this Vikings high, go to scorenorth.com or find Vent Line or Purple Daily anywhere you find podcasts. And between shows today, Phil, I also uh, sat down and wrote a column you can find right now at scorenorth.com. Basically saying this, lay off Stefan Diggs. Let's quit calling him a diva or selfish. Stefan Diggs, look, I've seen guys before who are selfish. Those guys, especially at his position, stop running their routes. They pull stunts that you don't like, right? He throws his helmet once in, in a while, and he gets mad. He does not, though, go up to his quarterback and point a finger and, like, yell. He basically is mad because he's trying to get the team to thrive. And I would argue that I think Stefan Diggs is the emotional touchstone of this offense. So for all of you people on Twitter, I'm sick of his crap. Look, I've seen guys, too, before who are selfish. He's not. And the other thing, all of you people who, for years... On this show, on various shows, would call in and say two things, Phil. They would say, Leslie Frazier's got to slam his headset down and yell. He never gets in anyone's face. The other of you, Twins fans, would say, Joe Maurer's got to throw bats or he's got to go in and take the table that the spread is on and upend it to show that he cares. Stefan Diggs is doing that, and you don't like that now? Yeah. 
That's a great point. Come on. You can't have it both ways. If he was a jerk, I'd be like, go for it. And if he cut his routes off, like Moss did, I would say, you got a problem. Stefan Diggs has done three things this year publicly that we've seen. All productive. After week four, two and two, this team is out of touch. It's not running well. He now does not show up for two days. That's not great. But guess what happens? He comes back then, and immediately they start to win, and the offense starts to operate. The Denver game, 20 rip at halftime. You are playing as crappy game as you can against an inferior team. Stefan Diggs catches a huge touchdown, goes nuts. Everybody, his teammates, his quarterback, all all of the fans go nuts. It's fantastic. You come back and win. You shouldn't have won. You, you won. And yesterday again, he had not been targeted when he went to the sideline and threw his helmet. He then was targeted, I believe, three times. He caught two first downs on third down that were both on scoring drives. So let's back off this guy and realize Kirk Cousins is not that guy, right? Kirk Cousins, he's just not, and that's fine. I'm not criticizing him. But don't tell me that a guy who is emotional and passionate in a win-or-go-home game is somehow out of line for being emotional and passionate when it usually works. And this is what Diggs said about it after the game. He would say, for I would say for anything, people who don't want you to show emotion, if you don't show emotion, you don't care. But if you show too much emotion, and then he stopped and said, but don't confuse passion with distraction because the guys on my team know me. We're always ready, and we're going to do anything to get a win. People can formulate their own opinion as you watch. I care about my teammates and their opinion about me more than I care about the outside. And I don't know what it is. I don't mind saying that I think in some cases when you're talking about certain people's perception and reaction to a Stefan Diggs compared to other players, there is a racial element. I don't think that that's entirely it, but I think that in certain people's eyes, that's what causes the reaction that they may have when a Stefan Diggs has an outburst on the sideline versus a Tom Brady or anybody else. Or Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen. But I think some of it is just... Likeability, I think some of it is, and this is going to sound weird, your face. You know what I mean? Like, Tom Brady can get away with it, but Jay Cutler can't because Jay Cutler doesn't have the right face to go off on his teammates. Even Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the right face to go off on his teammates on the sideline. And I think Stephon Diggs, for whatever reason, he doesn't have that likeability that some guys do that lets you get away with that, that give you the benefit of the doubt, where they go, oh, no, he must be just be doing that because it needs to be done. It's for the betterment of the team. For some reason, when people see Stephon Diggs doing what he was doing on the sidelines yesterday, they do the exact opposite, give him no benefit of the doubt, and assume that this is a diva wide receiver yeah. crying that he's not getting the ball enough or somehow is being a distraction to his team on the sideline. And you don't know that to be the case unless you're down there and hearing what he's saying. I think you nailed it with your fur. I honestly think there's a racial component to it. I do. I think I, I'm, I'm looking back at the times where Adam Thielen has been pissed off on the sidelines or um, like when we see baseball players who show fire, right? When Bryce Harper shows fire, he's just a gritty grinder player, right? But if a Hispanic player shows fire, oh, they're now they're a little now they're immature or they're they're flashy immature, right? So there's yeah. I think you nailed it with that first point. But when you're trying to figure this out, like we are as fans or or talking heads, and you're watching either from a press box or from seats or from watching on TV. 
reading body language, I think you can you can tell some of the story. But the second part of the story, when you see, oh, someone's clearly mad. Oh, Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith are clearly having a conversation. Like, that's a real thing. And I don't want to be told that you can't read body language on TV because you can read part of it on TV. The second part of it that's important is how are the teammates reacting to it? If you see Odell Beckham Jr. losing his mind and uh, knocking over a kicking stanchion or something and teammates are kind of chirping about it after the game or Antonio Brown goes bonkers behind the scenes and his his starting quarterback is calling him out in press conferences, now you know it's affecting the team negatively because there's a disconnect on the inside. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm wrong, and you guys tell me if I'm missing something here, I haven't heard one person with the Vikings behind the scenes come out and say, you know what, Stefan Diggs needs to pump the brakes and cool it. That stuff he's doing on the sidelines, those antics are BS, and they're hurting the team. I haven't heard one person say that. So I chalk it up to he's a passionate guy. Uh, he wants the team to win. Kirk Cousins comes walking over into the interaction, and he gives Kirk the dab and says, hey, man, like I, it ain't you. Like I'm just We need to be doing this differently. And right. So I, it's okay to be passionate. I just I want to make sure too that the team is okay with it. They seem to be, and that he's mad about a team oriented thing. Not I'm not getting my catches, and I don't think that's what it is. I either. think he knows that this team at times, especially on offense, needs some type of spark. And Kirk's not that guy. He's just not. It's fine. He, but that's not him. If Kirk got up and gesticulated and yelled, and you know his teammates would be like, Kirk, what are you doing? Stefan Diggs can do that. He's got it. I don't know what it is, but he's got it. When, when I watched him go basically ballistic in, in the Broncos game, it was super impressive. And if you took 25 people and said, get really mad, 23, you'd be like, just sit down and shut up, right? But Stefan Diggs carried that weight. And, and just as importantly, too, he's so good, he can go make plays. The thing about Rhodes is because Rhodes is a declining player, if he gets mad and goes and goes and yells, it's ordinarily because he screwed up. In Diggs's case, he didn't just drop a pass or didn't. He's just fiery, and I think I on, on a team where I guess ordinarily you would like that to be the quarterback, but it's not. Somebody needs to yeah. be that guy, and he's that guy. I love Stefan Diggs, but the Giants thing, guys. I mean, but before that, that bear that bears. Disappearance, which cost him a lot, in my opinion, there is no question, played a role in turning things around. It's not the only thing. But you're 2-2, two and two, you're not playing well, your offense is sort of dormant at that time. And he's like, this is BS. We're better than this. I'm, ma- I'm really mad. And there are some guys who would try that and you'd be like, again, just sit down and shut up. That's not him. It's impressive, but I just I'm so t- I'm so tired of people on Twitter being like, oh, he's just doing. No, there's differences here sometimes. Yeah, if you can be subtle, there's differences. I also think like if your knee jerk reaction is just get rid of the you, you got to get rid of these. If you're lumping like, oh, Xavier Rhodes is showing emotions on the sidelines and Stefan Diggs is showing emotions on the sidelines. You just got to get rid of these these divas, right? Be careful what you wish for. Xavier Rhodes is one thing because he makes a ton of money and he's not living up to it, and and they're they're almost certainly going to part ways. But be careful what you wish for if you're willing to just say peace out to Stefan Diggs and trade him for fifty cents on the dollar because he shows some passion on the sidelines. Like, just know what you're getting in return there. Uh, Saints vent line coming up shortly here, Ooh, and Tom Pelissero cannot wait six five one six four six eight two five five. Will in Dallas, you're on with Mackie Judd and Rami. Hey guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. 
So just about your last point before I kind of get into my main one. Uh, look, this seems like to me it's a really a team of really nice, good guys who just don't really have that personality and, like, that fire. Who's great, some great players for sure, but, like, Harrison Smith really doesn't say much. Eric Hendricks, you know, all pro, but doesn't really like a vocal guy. So I do think that not even just this offense, but this team in particular, you've got to have that fire coming from someone and I think Diggs represents that. So if he's throwing helmets every once in a while, like, I love it. And I think that Adam Thielen said, I think last year, uh, he, was, he did an interview and he was saying, like, hey, Kirk, like, Diggs is getting that look in his eyes. You know, like, you got to start feeding them. So I, I completely agree. Like, I think we need a Diggs on this team, just kind of the way it's constructed. So uh, I thought that was really well thought out, guys. Um, I know me and Judd, uh, we went back and forth a little bit told him I'd be calling uh, after we win, told him that on Saturday. Uh, we got the win, and I know last night we kind of had some disagreements there, Judge. So I just wanted to kind of articulate, look, we've had some – I think we disagree um, on kind of Zimmer and Kirk over the duration of both of their, like, careers. For me, I look at Kirk, and for my defense, it's him, right? Because I actually – I do think he's clutch. I think he's a big-time player. I don't have any problems with Kirk. Um I, the way I look at it is, okay, he got the big deal, the three-year uh, fully guaranteed contract from us, right? I throw out everything in Washington because their best receiver at some times was Chris Thompson, their running back, right? Those teams are trash. Nobody's been able to win in Washington, all right? So for Kirk to even take them to the playoffs is, like, remarkable. So it, all those numbers that primetime nurse you want to throw out from Washington, throw that out, right? I'm focused on what's he going to do in this three-year sample size window. The reason why we went and got him was because we needed a guy that, in a game, right, we come up to the NFC Championship game where kind of everything went wrong and, right, case wasn't great, nobody was great, defense was bad. Can you make a throw? Can you make one or two throws that are going to decide these games? Running game's going to be there, defense's going to be there. Can you make the throw? The primetime stuff I don't care about. Yesterday, Kirk Cousins made that throw, right? People talk about record on primetime. Well, this season, he was 2-2 two and two in primetime, right? He won against the Redskins. He won against the Cowboys on Sunday night. Right, so like I think that we kind of get in our head too much about these Kirk Cousins on primetime things, and I think that if what we're ultimately judging him by is, hey, what do you do in the playoffs to go ahead and carry us to a Super Bowl? That's what's important. Yeah, that's a great call from Will in Dallas. Thank you. Don't uh, Thanks, don't Will. be shy to call again, man. I, I love when people just bring passion and like the phone lines on Ventline today and yesterday and then spilling over on our show we just have we have awesome callers into score north and yeah. it's it's fun to hear from people um you guys want to do it a little yeah. saints vent line action yes. here i mean have been waiting for 20 waiting minutes for this since we started actually since the game ended yesterday this pop this is immediately <laughs> popped into my head that we need to do this all right it's always you always hate to see a fan base suffer like that after a close game you just hate to see it You know where we did not weather the storm? And shame on Sean Payton. Let me tell you why. We had 17 rushing attempts. That is blasphemy. That is blasphemy. How can we not have 27? Blasphemy. I don't know, 28 or 30? Because we averaged almost six yards a run. 5.7. Bobby, the Saints are 2 and 3 this year when they have under 20 20 attempts. 2 and 3. He just used the word blasphemy. Blasphemy when you're on 17 times. <laughs> and, and you know who agrees with him? Mike Zimmer. Dude, Mike po- Zimmer. He's. I hate to. I'm sure he's not. He sound. Does that guy sound hammered or am I crazy? He's Cajun. 
Oh, okay, all right. He's got a thick accent. Because that just Bobby sounded like blasphemy. Yeah, he's got a thick, thick accent. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Cajun happening okay. in this clip. Okay, all right. Yeah. You you called it a couple of a couple of times over the keys here. We're spoiled now, Bobby. Since we won the Super Bowl ten years ago, we we've had double digit wins, right? But guess what? Double digit wins isn't enough anymore. You won thirteen games this season, and I would say congratulations, but you know what? Back to we back. should have had fourteen. Back. Who that this is great. I gotta admit, I'm enthralled. <laughs> this is a different flavor for uh, yes. that lad than we've had before. The I love the accents. This is great. Wait for this one. That every year since last year, they have made this so hard for us to go all the way like we're supposed to. We have the coach, we have the fans, we have the team member, and they earn this. And they should be able to go all the way without those referees cheating. Now, what they going to do about them? They should get penalized. I knew there'd be at least one about the referees. There had to be at least one about the referees. Did you hear the first three words or the first five words? I did. That every year since last year. <laughs> wow. Oh, she's got a point. That every, every year since last year. Since last year. That's true. That's some inception-level thinking there. On Twitter, everybody's there are several on Twitter on the text line. Drew Brees got to go. All this other Twitter, nonsense. Twitter, Wait, Twitter. Listen, and or they're or they're speculating that oh, was he? He was just off today. Well, I would just offer you this. Perhaps the Vikings just beat the Saints up front. And Drew's so superhuman so often that when he is actually just regularly human, something's wrong. Something's off. No, he is human. He can't be perfect all the time. He's not going to do superhuman things week in and week out. He, it's just a, the, the sport is not conducive to that. And just playing this game in general, you're going to have those days where you get humbled. Actually, very level headed. That was, was very level headed. Yeah, yeah that super level headed. Yeah, that's no fun. That's kind of. <laughs> I, I didn't enjoy yeah. that. Those thoughts were rational. That's an anticlimactic end to Let's the. Let's go uh, back to, to the officials being yeah. upset at the officials. Can we go back to Vladimir? You know where we did not weather the storm? And shame on Sean Payton. Let me tell you why. We had 17 rushing attempts. That is blasphemy. That is blasphemy. How <laughs> can we not have 27? He's close I don't know, 28 or 30? Because we averaged almost six yards a run. 5.7. Bobby, come the Saints on, are Sean. 2 and 3 this year come, when they have under 20, under 20 attempts. 2 and 3. That is a I catchy love tune, the intro. That is a catchy tune. That's some of it's our a best very stuff. catchy tune. Jonathan, fine work if that was you. Amazing. That was fun to find. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's Saints Vent Line right there. Saints <laughs> Vent Line, everybody. Phone lines open after Pelissero. We're going to get Pelissero on when we come back here. He'll get his thoughts on Vikings beating the Saints yesterday. And Mike McCarthy just got hired by the Dallas Cowboys. After and- a sleepover. Which we need to talk about. Yeah, funny how that happened right on Monday after, and, and Jason Garrett got fired as the Vikings, I believe, were winning their game. That's weird how that happened, isn't it? Yeah, the timing was uh, the timing was odd there, and the sleepover is even more odd. <laughs> Don't you guys? He slept uh, over at Jerry Jones' house. <laughs> Never mind. I guess I'm the only one. It's so weird. That is so weird. Can Mike stay tonight? <laughs> I don't know, Jerry. You got to get up early tomorrow. Come on. I want Mike to be able to stay. Jerry, you know it's a school night, Jerry. Ah, come on. <laughs> come on, just this once. Can't Mike stay? 
Mike McCarthy in a sleeping bag next to Jerry Jones' bed. Mom, I'm, <laughs> Mom, I'm staring at Jerry's. I'm envisioning Mike McCarthy in just a, a cheese onesie. Full on. With his ducky. Triple XL. With his ducky. Amazing. Come back. We'll talk to Tom Pelissero here. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Day after a huge Vikings playoff win. It's 2020. Uh, the Vikings are a new team. And uh, maybe you have a chance to be a new person when it comes to your retirement savings here. So let's talk about retirement. My uh, Dale Tondrick from Tondrick Wealth Management is here to help you strategize and make sure that you've got a playbook that lays out a clear step-by-step plan for building success that will lead to a winning financial strategy. Uh, Also worth noting, recently the president signed the SECURE Act as part of the government spending bill, and it will inevitably affect most retirement savers for better or worse. So the bottom line is you'll need to work with someone that you can trust in this time and age. Dale Tondrick will help you navigate through the potential benefits and also the potential pitfalls from this legislation. So uh, whether it's in sports, if you're the purple, or your retirement, a playbook, the one that Zim laid out yesterday was uh, pretty clear-cut. Go dominate the Saints. They did. Your playbook, the Dale Tondrick's Wealth Management will design, will help you take advantage of things you might encounter on your road to saving for retirement. Call Tondrick Wealth Management today. 952-401-1671 or go to myinvestingcoach.com. That's myinvestingcoach.com and start preparing your playbook for retirement. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. You know, it's it's fun to be able to uh, to win and to feel like you know you're moving forward. But uh, my journey has always been one of, you know, like the book The Dream Giver. When you climb a mountain, you sit there at the top and you look around, and you realize there's only more mountains to climb. Play action, Cousins, Thielen, he's got it inside the five. The ball sitting at the two, two yards away from a win. Yeah, just uh, you know, Kirk obviously gave me a shot and. Uh, it, it uh, you couldn't have been a perfect ball. Yeah, once they brought pressure, I knew the ball was coming. Cousins throws, passes, caught for the win. Kyle Rudolph and the Vikings are moving on. Kirk made an unbelievable throw and, and just gave me a chance. Um, they brought all out pressure and, and Kirk gave me a chance and I, I just go up and get the rebound. Go up and get it and, and make a play to help our team win. You just keep chasing the next mountain. And there will always be people, you know, who are going to criticize you, and that's okay. I got three words for you. You like that? There it is. The story of yesterday's Vikings win over the Saints. Full coverage at scorenorth.com. And also, if you're new to Score North, if you're new to Mackie and Jeb with Rami, we have a mobile app. And how much does it cost to download, Rami? I believe it's still totally, totally free. Okay. Just uh, for now. Mm -hmm. For now, anyways. Yes. And so you can just go into your Apple store, wherever you find apps on your Apple device or your Android device, go to the Google Play Store and download it where you can listen live to Score North. You can listen to all of our podcasts, including Vikings Vent Line. Can you read Judd Zolgat? You can read Judd at your own risk. You can read Matthew (laughs) Collar, which I would always recommend. Derek Wetmore on Twins. A couple things up today. He's like 50-50. Judd at your own risk. Collar always. Wetmore's right in the middle. He's like 50-50, right? Yep, yep. Uh, So go download it. Check it out. Uh, we'll catch up with Tom Pelissero here in a minute from NFL Network. But, man, I mean, yesterday, the biggest conversation that I'm sort of shocked by 
is this pass interference discussion that everyone... I watched that play a bunch of times on replay, and at no point until hours after the game, when I saw that it was a thing, that Saints fans were complaining about it, and it was a topic after the game, I if, if, you're, if you're in the camp that says that should have been called offensive pass interference on Kyle Rudolph, then you have zero right to ever complain when there's too many flags being thrown or too many fouls being called in an NBA game. It's one thing if a guy pushes off with like two hands and knocks a defender on his butt or something or jars him off of his line. If it's hand fighting and an arm bar in that spot and it's overtime and it's late, let the players decide it and quit complaining unnecessarily. And didn't the Saints put an undersized cornerback on a tight end? Yes. Okay, that's your fault. One-on-one. That's your fault. <laughs> with the game on the line, with <laughs> and, the season and on the as line. as soon as the cornerback gets pushed, his job then is to grab Kyle and toss him down if he can or jump him and hope flags go both ways. No. I have no sympathy there. Zero. Let's get to the let's get to the hotline here. We're our friend from NFL Network. Tom Pelissero joins us for some Tom Pelissero's NFL insights. And and Tom, what, there's a million things around the league we want to get into. Mike McCarthy uh, to Dallas and the other games over the weekend. But what was your single biggest takeaway or the thing that stood out the most to you in that Vikings win over the Saints yesterday? There were a lot of things, but I think that the lasting image will be, you know, I was on the field for the final two minutes, and Kyle Rudolph catches that touchdown. Teammates are mobbing him. They're showing the replays. I don't know how much you can tell us on TV, but they're showing the replays in the stadium, and there's just this buzz that's kind of picking up in the stadium, like, are they going to stop the game right now? The officials had already run off the field, uh, but... You know, are they about to drop a pass interference flag? And Harrison Smith is walking around. His teammates were celebrating, just going, calm down. Everyone calm down. I thought he was doing it because he thought maybe they were going to call the push-off on Rudolph. I asked him about it after. He's like, no, I wasn't worried about that. He was talking about what happened two years ago after the Minneapolis Miracle where they celebrated as if they had won the Super Bowl, and rightfully so. And then that following week, they did not rise to the occasion in the NFC title game. They lose 38-7. to uh, And Adam Thielen told me that was something they talked about in the locker room after the game, too, which was, you know, this is great, the big win, but the preparation for San Francisco needs to start here on the plane ride home. So to me, the biggest question for this Vikings team this week, and we can get into the matchups and everything else, but it's going to be, have they learned from what happened two years ago? I remember Anthony Barr telling me that year, like the Wednesday practice that week after the Minneapolis miracle was not good. They got better over the course of the week, but there were already signs. Are they going to come back since it's a short week now? They're going to get back on the field tomorrow. Can they figure out a way to channel the emotional energy necessary and the juice necessary to now go pull off another upset over the 49ers, or is this going to be similar to two years ago where it's a great moment, a great memory in Vikings history, followed by a bitter defeat? Were you surprised, not that they didn't overturn it, but how quickly they decided to not overturn that that last touchdown reception by Kyle Rudolph, take a closer look at it and see if there was pass interference there, Tom? I remember going through plays last summer and seeing the training tapes that the officiating department, the NFL had put out. And there are plays that look a lot like that one that they said were going to be interference. Now the key distinction here that Al Riveron drew in the 
pool report with Larry Holder was that there was contact initiated by both players. You can see that, too, where P.J. Williams has both his hands on Rudolph. Rudolph then obviously creates a little bit of separation with his hand. They decided not to overturn the call on the field, and that's consistent with mostly how they've approached it this year. You know, that's the second time in two months that I've been on the field after a last-second Vikings victory and thought, oh, no, what's going to happen when they have to pull everyone off the field and start this game again? The other one being the Broncos game where the Vikings came back and they had to make that goal-line stand in the final minute where at least once, probably twice in that final sequence – it sure looks like the Vikings defenders have their hands all over somebody. You know, Noah Fant kind of gets pulled down on the last play, and I remember thinking that day, this might, you know, they might throw the flag. It's just every week it's a challenge, and you're seeing exactly why uh, the NFL had been reluctant, the competition committee had been reluctant to introduce subjective calls into replay. Because if the standard is basically that, it needs to be the most flagrant interference that's ever happened or it's not going to be overturned, then that's really not much of a change. And certainly for the Saints, I, I mean, what are the odds that a rule is put into place <laughs> almost solely because of one call in one game that ends one team season, and then the first test of that in the playoffs the following year is the same team, and the rule change doesn't make a difference and they lose anyway. Tommy, you've seen tons of games and broken down tons of film in your time, so tell me this. Where does the Vikings' defensive game plan for Breeze and the Saints on Sunday rank among just single game plans that you've witnessed? Well, the game plan was impressive. The way that they moved around Everson Griffin and Neil Hunter to really kind of create mismatches. Uh, you have a shorter quarterback who now has a couple of really tall, you know, like, uh, certainly Hunter, not not so much Griffin, but Hunter, a really long, levered guy who you now don't know where he is uh, pre-snap. He's not coming off the same edge every time. Uh, the Sendejo at nickel corner thing was, and I, I mean, we talked a lot about this on TV, and I had every permutation where it was, there's going to be a lot of J-Ron Curse. Are they going to play more base? And all I've been told by somebody who was very familiar with their game plan was, we got some stuff up our sleeve. That one did not ever occur to me that you're going to see Sendejo play. And I, well, how many snaps did he play? I mean, probably forty plus snaps uh, in that game as the nickel. I mean, he's a, he's a box safety. He's not even a, a coverage type of a safety. And he, he acquitted himself well. He made a couple of plays. You know, obviously Xavier Rhodes. He gets a little bit nicked up, but he played maybe his best game that he's played the entire season. Thirty five snaps for Sendejo in that game on defense. Uh, you know, just. Guys, guys rose to the occasion. I, I thought Mike Zimmer absolutely, knowing Sean Payton as well as he does, he was able to create some unfavorable matchups. But then you also have to just give credit to the players for making plays. I mean, they they were overpowering. They were outquicking. Uh, that little jump move that Hunter makes to get inside of Ryan Ramchek on the one play. I mean, it's just you don't see that. It's it's uh, it's it's part of what makes the Vikings dangerous, and it's. What you saw yesterday was the polar opposite of what you saw two weeks before, where on defense, really good plan. They got after it. Not saying the plan was bad against the Packers, but they got after it defensively. Even Xavier outside of the touchdown where he gets turned around. Uh, or I can't remember if it was a touchdown. It was close to a touchdown. Long pass play. And then offensively, they got their guys back. I mean, Dalvin Cook, 31 touches, two touchdowns. 
Adam Thielen, seven catches for 129 yards, comes back from the, the early fumble. That's what they've been missing. Three of your top weapons on offense, yeah. you know, two out of the three have not been themselves. They haven't had those two guys together in two months. That that makes a huge difference. I mean, if I'm looking at this as the 49ers, they're, they got every reason to be confident here going into this game based on how they've played. But you know, I've thought just on paper from the beginning of the playoffs that of all the matchups, this would be one that would tilt in the Vikings' favor. The Eagles, obviously, too, but there really was not much of a scenario where they were going to see them. This, this on paper, seems like a good matchup if if you can keep those pass rushers, Nick Bosa and uh, D4, from wrecking the game. Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights here on Mackie and Judd with Rami every Monday at 5 o'clock. And uh, so you, uh, you had this earlier today. Mike McCarthy is the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And the first important question for you, he reportedly stayed overnight at Jerry Jones' house on Saturday night. What does one do staying overnight during a job interview at Jerry Jones' house, we want to know? I mean, I imagine Jerry's got so much space in that house, he's not even necessarily always sure who's there. That's, uh, <laughs> I want to play Twister. Imposing. He's not, you're, not, you're, not you're, imp- you're on the same block as Jerry Jones, basically, when you're in his house. That's all that's guaranteed. Exactly. So it was, I mean, obviously, McCarthy made a very good early impression on Jerry Jones. Remember, McCarthy has won a Super Bowl in Jerry's stadium. Jerry has not won a Super Bowl since that stadium was built. Uh, those teams have had battles through the years. And Jerry wanted a veteran coach. They were going to hire somebody who had previous head coaching experience. They think they got a win-now roster. Uh, if you look at them up and down, you'd probably say they're right. Uh, Jerry wants to you know, to put another trophy in the case. Uh, and with McCarthy, we've talked about it. I mean, I spent a lot of time with him. I've talked to him a lot uh, since he got let go last year by the Packers. He really has taken a 360-degree look at the league, look at offense, and a look at it himself. He's got the history. He's got the track record. He's well-respected for his work with quarterbacks. Dak Prescott is one that I know he has watched because we sat there and watched cut-ups of Dak Prescott when I visited him back in November. Um, you know, the, the person who should be happiest about this is probably Dak. You know, obviously they got a contract that they got to figure out with him, but, you know, just the simple fact that you've got someone coming in who has the reputation that McCarthy does, that is, that's going to be a really good thing for them. Uh, and ultimately... You know, for all the stuff back in the spring, the the criticism of him and the relationship with Rodgers, things had gotten stale and all the things that were said and written about him, in the end, McCarthy's resume won. I mean, there was nobody more qualified for a job than McCarthy, and it turns out, you know, despite all that, he was the hottest candidate in this cycle, and now we'll see between Josh McDaniels, uh, Eric Bieniemy, Kevin Stefanski, Matt Rule, uh, who some of these other jobs go to. Tom, everybody in your industry is speculating today where Tom Brady will be playing football, if anywhere, next year. So why should you be different? Where, if anywhere, will Tom Brady be playing football next year? Would you speculate? I mean, speculation is is difficult with Brady, in part because he's a relatively private guy. He's going to make certain decisions. Uh, you know, the fact that he has the he had the unusual contract restructure that was initially misreported as an extension, and in fact he's going to be a free agent, uh, the fact that he cannot be franchise-tagged, that really you know leaves the ball in Tom Brady's court. You know, he gets to, to make that decision, which you kind of heard that from, you know, Bill Belichick yesterday talking about, you know, there's another, there's another party here who has a say in this. Uh, Robert Kraft said publicly that, you know, he hopes that 
Tom Brady either comes back to the Patriots or, if not, retires. Uh, but, you know, you, you wonder, as, as a competitor, well, what's more important to Brady? Coming back, trying to win it one more time with his coach uh, in New England, uh, you know, being there with that that fan base and that franchise, spending his entire career in one uniform, or, you know, does he think his best shot is elsewhere? I mean, the guy's 42, 43 years old. He said he wants to play till he's 45. Uh, it's a year-to-year proposition. It has been for a while. You know, is he really going to go into a new offense at this stage in his career and try to get everybody, including the play caller and the receivers, all on the same page? It's difficult. I mean, you, you would certainly, if you had to put percentages on it, you'd say the highest percentage is back to the Patriots, and the next highest percentage is probably retire. But the fact that he controls his fate, which is pretty rare in the NFL, uh, means that you have to keep open that sliver of uh, possibility that he'll, at minimum, look around and see whether or not there's someplace else he might like to go. Stefanski talking to Caroline on Thursday, is that correct? Uh, I believe that's correct. He, you know, it was still being, everything was being set up because until last night they didn't know whether they were going to be winning or losing. But sure. it sounds like those interviews are most likely going to happen on Thursday unless somebody's actually going to fly all the way to San Francisco and talk to him on Friday. That's here, though, right? In town here? That is my understanding because they're not, they normally travel on Friday. So Thursday would be the logical day. You wrap up most of your haze in the barn. You do a couple interviews at night. uh, And that is not uncommon um, because the way it works with the rules is if you have a game on wild card weekend, you can interview the week after wild card weekend. If you had a bye, which some of the coaches did, like the enemy, uh, Greg Roman also interviewed. Uh, some of those guys, then you could have interviewed over the last week. But with Stefanski, it's either it's kind of now or never, especially because I would expect uh, these jobs are going to move pretty quickly here. Yeah. Tom, great stuff. Uh, where can our listeners find you on TV this week? I'll be at the Vikings quite a bit here uh, the next few days and then head out to San Francisco for what I think will be another really fascinating, really uh, competitive game. Awesome, man. All right, see you, Tom. Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights, one of the best in the business. And uh, he's been a regular guest on our show all season long at 5 o'clock on Mondays. How do you guys feel about the fact that they got into this on Purple Daily today? So Kevin Stefanski has this potential you know, career-boosting uh, opportunity to be a head coach, and so he's going to take interviews. But the Vikings have a short week, mm-hmm. and they're coming off an emotional win They've got to put as much prep as possible into a six-day work period against one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best team in the NFL, that's been sitting preparing for two weeks. So you're and you're going on the road. There's all these things going against you. I'm not, I'm never going to tell a guy not to go take a shot because he deserves to go be a head coach. But it definitely takes away. You can't tell me it doesn't take away from his preparation for the 49ers. It absolutely does. He's, I would he's, think so. Yeah. He still has to. He has to sleep, prepare, and eat. And he's putting another thing in the mix this week with his schedule. Right. Not sleep. But when you're talking about these coaches and their daily schedule, it's it's a puzzle. And it's all intricately put together and what they're going to be doing at what times of day. They are, at least most of them, this is the old school model. Maybe Kevin Stefanski has a little bit better work-life balance. I don't know, being one of the younger coaches of the NFL. But most of these guys, it's obsessive and it's nonstop and it's around the clock. And so he is going to have to take some time out of his day, out of his prep week, to to put his time and attention not only into doing the interview itself, but preparing for the interview right. ahead of time. Right, because if, if you talk to a team, they ordinarily uh, want to know off the bat what your coaching staff is going to look like. If you've got people who will join you, so it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty detailed. 
Here's what I don't get. Can we fix this? If you play on Sunday, why don't you get till Sunday to play again? The short week thing confuses me here. Um, so I think can we? I think what they're doing is aren't they giving the two top seeds the Saturday games? Right. So San Francisco, okay. and Baltimore. Right? Doesn't Baltimore play on Saturday? I have to look. That so I think what they're possible. doing is they're giving those teams the longest stretch between the divisional round and the wild card round. It just seems like it's. Press- or, I'm sorry, and the uh, championship okay. round. All right. It just seems like it's unnecessarily pressing things. Right. Yeah, I'd like to know I more mean, about like their to logic. Keep players I guess. as healthy as possible, and if you're the Vikings, you played on Sunday afternoon, and now you got to play on Saturday. When it would make more sense to me to put you on Sunday, I, I think it's more about the 49. I think it's more okay, about the so one it's about seeds. playing yeah. to their strengths. Okay. Uh, John in Manhattan, you're on the show. Hey. What's up, John? Ba-doo. Hold on a second. I, I was I was not in position to uh, do that one more time. Ba-doo. There we go. There we go. Here we go. A little call and response. A little, uh, little echo in here. Hey, John, do you, do you, do you like, like that? Do you like that, John? Uh, oh, I like that. You like that? You like that? I like that. So <laughs> that was good, John. It was very effective. <laughs> All day. Um, so the thing that I want to talk about, 2020 knew us. You know, the Gophers winning that game. I called in yesterday and I had the same point, which is, you know, the Gophers winning, the Vikings winning, uh, Minnesota sports, maybe there's a sea change. But all week leading up to the game, one of the narratives was, you guys, we just need to accept that Michael Thomas is going to burn us, he's going to destroy us, and we just need to find a way outside of that. And he got his, but he had seven catches on eight targets for 70 yards. He didn't have seven for 140 and that, I think, is the other thing that we're not talking about is not only did Drew Brees get thrown around like a rag doll, but he also didn't have his favorite toy to play with. And when we took away that favorite toy, I think that was the other part that confused him and frustrated him was that we said not only is Anderson Deho on him, but they put Anthony Barr on him. Like they purposefully, and this I think is the, the unsung thing, they purposefully threw wrinkles just to mess with him, and we know Barr got burned in the Rams game last year. We know Barr sucks in coverage, so why is Barr guarding their best, the best wide receiver in the NFL, and they throw the underneath stuff, and then Barr tackles him, and he, he did, the longest pass or the longest catch was 20 yards. That, that alone was you know worth the price of admission by the defense, not to mention all the other, you know, wrinkles they threw in. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I got my who segment. You know, I, I'm taking names. So uh, Ram Chick, or that was the, the other guy, but what's the uh, fullback's name? What, C.J. Ham or, or who? No, for the Niners. Oh, who is the Niners Tom fullback? Rathman? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I don't even Okay, the tight end, Kittle. Here's a little spoiler alert, Kittle. Who? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you like that? You like that? Bye, John. Bye. John in Manhattan. Roger right Craig? <laughs> Joe Montana? Yeah, you had a little CTE moment there. He asked who the, who the fullback I didn't was know for he was the 49ers. Old, he went back to Tom Rathman. I didn't know if he was talking old school or what. CTE moment. I didn't know. I didn't know. He might have been talking old time. <laughs> Deion Sanders? Oh, just trying to help out. Deion Sanders. 
Deion Sanders was great for the Cowboys and the Niners. Yeah. Not, not to mention the Falcons. Yeah, That's I think anybody's back forgetting in my, his name, nor did he play fullback. Back though. in back in my I did Tom Rathman, man. Roger Craig ran behind him. It was great. Little Steve Young, little Steve DeBerg. I could go way back on the Niners. We're actually just going to sit here until you run out of old 49ers names. Well, then I'll just transition to Steelers, Terry Bradshaw. Phil and I can just leave. This will take till 6 o'clock. Johnny Stallworth, Jack Lambert. (laughs) Keep going. Then I'll just keep changing teams. We can go grab an early dinner. Let's do it. The the old people love this show right now. They're like, yeah, it's all good. That's when football is football. Cut to 15 minutes from now, me and Mackie at a bar down the street, clanking claws, listening to Judd Reloff, old football players. Ricky Waters. (laughs) Doug Williams. Doug Williams. Mike Allstadt. Listen, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can go through them. men were men. Collar randomly walks in and starts naming off players with with him. him. Leroy Selman. Hey. By the way, Leroy Selman's one of the great restaurants in Fort Myers, Florida. It might even be closed now. but The bread. Right? So good. And what the cheesy it? grits. What is this? Oh, yeah. What are we talking about? Leroy yeah, Selman's right down Steakhouse. The street from, uh, right down the street from the Twin Spring Training Place. Oh, Leroy okay. Selman's. You know, I've never had grits. You're not missing out. No? No. I don't feel like I am. I'm surprised the you have Cheesy grits are pretty good. You strike me as a guy who would have had grits. Aren't they just kind of porridge? I know, but you just strike me as a guy who right. would... Like Translation, Judd's like, you're kind of pudgy. <laughs> so am I. So. You look like you've eaten everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, I call it a connoisseur. Phil calls you fat. You know, that's not me, man. Vikings nitpicks. That's right. Even though the Vikings had a huge playoff win yesterday, oh, I got, we will I not got, let them escape without nitpicks. I got at least two. Hey, we're going to get back to one of the best sports talk shows in this time slot in the Twin Cities shortly here. One of the top three or four, at least. Uh, but let's talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard for just a brief moment before we get to our Vikings nitpicks. Uh, their website is very easy to navigate. Go to LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. One of the things I love to do once in a while just for fun is kick around the pre-owned inventory section of this website where somebody once told me it was at the the old location before they moved into their new stadium, so to speak. It was it used to be called Toyota City. And someone said, some of the best deals you can get are on Toyotas that are like 8 to 12 years old. They, they're they only on the lot sometimes for 48 or 72 hours because they go quickly. But a lot of people think, oh, you know, that's a 2009 Camry with 150,000 miles on it. I don't know. Well, you can you can drive Toyotas up over 200,000, 250,000 miles. I had a 92 Camry up to 284,000 miles one time. When you combine the durability of the car itself and the people in that service department. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Scorner download time. Jonathan here with this hour's download. Well, we, we'll all remember this play for a very, very long time. Cousins throws. Pass is caught for the win. Kyle Rudolph and the Vikings are moving on. Now, many a Saints fan are claiming he, he being Kyle Rudolph, pushed off on that play to get get the uh, game-winning cat, touchdown catch there in overtime. But uh, here's what he had to say on the push-off. The rule is what it is, and a scoring play is reviewed. So for everyone that said, oh, why didn't they review it? It's a scoring play. It's reviewed. They don't have to challenge it. They don't have to call timeout. Nothing has to be done about it. They looked at it. They thought it was just football. And, you know, guys are pushing and shoving on routes all the time. Uh, was my arm extended? Yeah. But did he pin my arms down at the beginning of the route? Yeah. That's the way football works. If, if you want every route to be flag football and nobody's going to touch anyone, then that's not the NFL. 
This is how football works. Third and goal. Ball on the four-yard line. Cousins in the gun. Three by one to his right. Saints showing pressure. They bring pressure. Lob it to the back of the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown. Kyle Rudolph. One-on-one in the back corner of the end zone. Kyle Rudolph and P.J. Williams. And the Minnesota Vikings come to New Orleans and beat the Saints. Dang right they did. That's been your score north download. Now back to Mackie and Judith Rami. Trash talking there. A little trash talking for the update. <laughs> a little, little barbs. Barbs from Jonathan Harris. This is how you play football. And yeah, it was a massive playoff win for the Vikings yesterday, and they wind up taking two out of three from the Saints in this ten year playoff trilogy. When you go back to the two thousand nine Bounty Gate and the Minneapolis Miracle, and everyone is excited today. It's been twenty four hours of elation and celebration, but Every single time the Vikings play, the day after, we do a segment called Vikings Nitpicks. And so even though the vibe has been celebration and elation, we're not going to let the Vikings escape without us picking some nicks, uh, picking some nits when it comes to the game or the broadcast. So, Rami, we'll start with you. Let's go around there. What are your Vikings nitpicks today? I'm not going to throw my helmet or kick and scream and yell, and I don't think that's why Stefan Diggs was throwing his helmet or kicking and screaming and yelling, but three targets and two receptions for Stefan Diggs. Is just not enough. And I, I know that the Saints have something to say about that in terms of the way that they cover him and defend the Vikings offense as a whole. But you got to design some things to get the ball into Stephon Diggs' hands more often or just force the ball into Stephon Diggs' hands more often. Over the course of a football game, there's no way he should only be seeing three footballs go his way. He's the best playmaker that you have in the passing game right now. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of Alexander Madison. We saw early in the game, we saw them kind of going back and forth between Cook and Madison, and it was effective. And I think that had you given Madison a little bit more of the workload early on, you maybe have a fresher Dalvin Cook in the second half, and he's not so easy to stuff for much of that second half. Maybe we're not even talking about an overtime game if they do those two things. My knit is very simple. Please, when it's first and goal at, let's say, the four, can we stop pitching the ball to Cook? Delvin Cook's a really good player. Outstanding player. I love him as a player. But when you're pitching the ball four yards back and you're that close to the goal line, because he can't go out of bounds and come back in, you basically run out of real estate really, really quickly. So just as far as play calls go, can we have Cousins take the snap? Okay. Hand it to Cook. Cook barrels because he can barrel. I mean, he's a strong guy. And carries a guy maybe to the one. May, perhaps it's a touchdown. But I just don't dig the pitch play that close to the goal line. All right. Again, these are Vikings nitpicks. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us and wondering, why are these guys so negative for? No, this is a, this is a forced segment here. A right? It's a forced segment. A forced segment. We have here. to do this. We have no choice. Contractually <laughs> obligated to put this segment out. Uh, I, I got. I actually have three or four of them here. One of them would be, why are you throwing to Alexander Hollins with seven minutes left yeah. in a close game that you're trying to ice? Good one. You guys remember that play? Over the middle, the ball, the ball sails out of Kirk Cousins' hands, and you see a receiver with a step on a defender, jumps up in the air, and like, is that Diggs? Wait, no. Is it, is it Irv Smith? No. Who is that? It's that guy we saw for the first time last week when they were playing any starters. Is yeah. that guy? That guy. The practice squad guy. Alexander Hollins, who uh, is number 15. He's 23 years old. And he we went to college to in Eastern Illinois. The pass went to him. Phil's like, who's that? I said, I think he was on the practice squad. We had to call up the roster and look up who it was. That's so, never a good thing. That's, uh, that's I a like that one. Of mine. For sure. Any other nitpicks around the room here? 
Um, yes, the um, the uh, pitch play or re- attempted re- reverse or I don't care what you call it to Stefan Diggs. Let's just stop with that. Like he's not a threat to throw well. He's not really a threat to run well on that particular play. It looks like he gets the ball and and he's been g- given a grenade. It doesn't look good. So I would just emphasize: stop doing that. It it ordinarily goes for about minus six yards, or he might throw a pass that gets picked off. Let's just. Take that play out. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I, I like getting in the ball of your best players, but there's probably yeah, there's probably more effective ways. How about to down it. the field, like Rami said, we get the ball down yeah. down the field to him, Rami. Uh, another nitpick of mine, I would say, when it's second down and more than ten, especially in situations where you're trying to get a first down, and the Vikings had this late when they were trying to ice the game in the fourth quarter. Second down and long, stop running the ball unless you have a great look at like a six man box or something. So second and 17, I believe it was Judd's favorite pitch play to Dalvin Cook. He gets tackled outside, loses a couple yards. That was the fumble, right? Yes, that was the fumble. That was the near fumble. And then they drop back to pass on third and 19. And Kirk Cousins wisely, I might add, takes the sack there. Wisely takes the sack, but... I thought in that situation, when you're, if you get a first down, the game's basically over. I think throwing on second and 17 is the better bet. Because if you can get eight or nine, now you set yourself up to maybe complete a pass on third down. So... Uh, second and long nitpicking, running the ball in that spot kind of drives me crazy. I'm I'm digging deep here now, though. I'm out. You guys are digging real deep. I'm out of it. Oh, wow, you're done. I had two. And I didn't even really mean them. Again, fourth segment. Totally fourth segment. <laughs> no, the Dick's point's a good point. I, I'm, I know. I like your Dick's point. Yeah, I you dig got it. How do you go an entire game throwing the ball to him three times? It is I, I see what you did there, by the way. See, okay. Very, very, nice. very, very nicely good. done. There was. I'm a professional. 651-646-8255. We'll wrap with Royce here in just a minute. But JB in Florida, you're on the show. Yeah. How you doing, guys? Good, man. Um, What's happening? Kirk Cousins asked if we liked it, and let me tell you, I do like it, sir. You like that? You like that? Here's what I don't like, though, gentlemen. I heard your take about Diggs earlier in the broadcast. Emotion is great. But we know he's got a history of going a little too far with the emotion. And earlier this year against Green Bay, he got a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty for ripping his helmet off after the touchdown. Yeah. And in the playoffs against the better opponents where the margin of error is very thin and the stakes are high, we can't have those kind of instances in the games on the sideline because, yes, our team and our fans and our coaches know who Diggs are, but guess who doesn't? The refs. And they're watching them. And we can't afford to get a penalty and they kill a drive or take away a scoring play because he lost his crew. And that goes for Xavier Rhodes, too. you got to be professional at all times because people are watching, especially the refs. you got to do a good job and have a good evening. JB, thank you for the phone call. And that's a fair point. If your Diggs did have that play yep, in Green Bay earlier this year where he he took his helmet off, celebrated the touchdown. touchdown. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's where it can spill over. And I just don't like this. I don't like this whole, whole thing that, man, he's got to stop and he's wrong to do this. And it just seemed like a lot of people on Twitter, when, when he threw the helmet yesterday, got carried away. And it annoys me because it's not that big a deal. And I actually sort of like it. Yeah. But yeah, keep your helmet Speaking on. Speaking of guys who need to be checked when their emotions run wild, Patrick Royce. <laughs> Is here. Yeah, by the way, these are the people who, you know, Randy Moss did that eight times a game and yep. still love him. So what are they mad at? And didn't run his routes. That was, yeah, you made that point today that if uh, Randy didn't, if they were throwing it to Chris Carter instead of him, uh, he'd, he'd just run four feet and uh, stand there. But hey, he's our Randy, so we don't say anything bad about him. 
Although I will say that, uh, you know, that, that, that was fun from watching from the press box to see when they came off the field after a failed drive, uh, the Vikings of the, uh, let's say, 99 team, uh, to see which one would be the first one to run over to Culpepper and start screaming at him that he was open, whether it was <laughs> Carter or Moss. You knew one of them, but it was a foot race to see who could uh, complain to uh, Culpepper first between those two egomaniacs. Yeah. So, Pat, I think Pat. If, if if Mike Zimmer was a painter, that would have been his Mona Lisa yesterday or whatever. Yeah, that was this. pretty dang good, wasn't it? Wow, almighty. Uh, Jed and I talked about that a little bit today. Uh, you know, he, he looked and he said, okay, their guards aren't good and their tackles are great. I'm going to put my two best pass rushers over the guards. Nobody ever thought of that before, apparently, because they, the uh, Saints sure looked like they had no idea what was going on, didn't they? Holy cow. I, I am shocked that uh, Peyton didn't, uh, you know, call a timeout and try to get their act together here and say, come on, this is what they're doing, fellas. Uh, maybe they couldn't figure out what they were doing. I don't know, but it was uh, it was amazing. And did you ever see Andrew Sandejo lining up at cornerback when the Vikings brought him back midseason? Uh, well, well, he was a slot, right? Yeah, basically. nickel. Yeah, nickel back. Yeah. 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 Well, I suppose he wanted he wanted more help to give up. I think he wanted to convince them uh, not to run the ball at all. That that you know, having Sandejo there is a as another guy. You know, I like him playing there because then he can't get a good run to come up and take. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get 15 yards. It's yeah. harder to get that 15 yarder because he's got doesn't have as far to run. But uh, well, it's uh, that certainly was. Uh, you're right. That's certainly one. Nobody when we, when uh, I was reading about the options at slot back, that wasn't uh, that wasn't one that I saw. <laughs> yeah, uh, they might put Sandeo there, but he obviously trusts him. So. You know, it, everything he did worked. There's no doubt about. It. That was a game that should have never went to overtime. The Vikings outplayed them all all day long. So, although as it turned out, they got a couple of breaks. The uh, that Kelly, that Cook thing was about as close to a pop up running for a touchdown play as you could get. And uh, I mean, they got the call right, but uh, it didn't look good with the naked eye. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, a couple others, but man, I've never, I can't remember when I saw Breeze look that bad. That's the thing that impressed me is he, he looked completely lost for four quarters. Yeah, he didn't. Well, he looked like, uh, you know, he might have to join Brady into going into retirement. I don't know. It was, uh, I heard a rumor that, uh, what, what was the, did I see something that, uh, somebody might have just been proposing that uh, New England, if Brady left, uh, was going to maybe try to go get Bridgewater. And, uh, you know, maybe Bridgewater should stay right where he is because Breeze did not look like a, uh, like a guy who's going to stay much longer. I, I did think after watching this, I, I was not all in on New Orleans because I, for some reason, I watched a lot of that Atlanta game this year when I got their ass kicked. Yep. And, and then I also saw, you know, like the, they needed a miracle to beat, to beat uh, Carolina at home too. And I, I just wasn't in on them as I, as, as I have been sometimes in the past. Uh, where do you, uh, what are your thoughts on Sean Payton as a coach, as a, as a personality? Well, I don't know. He's a, he's a raving Eagle maniac. There's no doubt about it. And certainly when you consider the Saints history, he's got to be a, uh, 
rather huge success. But uh, he was almost out of there about after uh, you know uh, whatever whatever we called the uh, when we when they beat up five and, and then there was was it about three four years ago there were rumors again he'd be leaving but uh, going to Dallas was, uh, at that time yeah yeah I'm in there I'm I'm surprised that uh, Jerry didn't try to go get him instead of McCarthy but. Uh, I guess uh, he, may, he must be settled in pretty good to New Orleans right now, but I, I don't know. I, I think he's good. I don't think he's great. He's probably going to end up, well, maybe not. Maybe he won't end up in the Hall of Fame because of the suspension and that whole thing. But uh, I think his reputation exceeds his excellence. That's what I think. Hmm. Have you ever seen a guy like Taysom Hill before, Pat, in your years covering <laughs> the sport? Yeah, played quarterback for your Bears, Bobby Douglas, about forty years ago. Wow! He, you could you could put him in a room and he couldn't hit the wall, but he played quarterback for him for about five years. <laughs> Sounds like a Bears quarterback. <laughs> take off, running left hander. Look up, look up, uh, Bobby Douglas in your uh, in your archives. There, he was uh, he was a fullback truck type of quarterback who he he could do. He was one of those quarterbacks who could do everything but pass, you know. So, which is, a, you know, kind of limited them a little bit. It's funny how that wasn't as much of a problem in like the early seventies. You know, you, just, you didn't necessarily oh, no. have to pass. Well, yeah, and then, yes, as we've Payton. talked about it, an interception wasn't reason to be dragged through the streets behind a car. You know, I mean, Francis, as we pointed out, Hall of Famer, all-time record holder when he retires, thirty-two picks his last season. Oh well, that's too bad. That somebody started the. Uh, oh, that's as good as a punt. You know, an interception's as good as a punt. Somebody they 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 truly believe that back then. Bobby Douglas. Oh, all right, I got. Bob- I'm watching a Bobby Douglas highlight reel Are right you- now as we speak. Is it all interceptions? Because I've got his stats in front of me. No, the very first thing <laughs> in the highlight reel, he does a play action fake. Then for some reason. Switches the ball from his right hand to his left hand behind his back, cuts all the way across the field through the defense and for a touchdown. <laughs> That's an athlete, baby. That's an athlete. Bobby Douglas well, in left-handed. What was the ball ever doing in his right hand? Oh, no, I'm sorry. He went left to right. He had the ball in his left oh, hand. Tricky. Right. Yeah, tricky. Right. Yeah. Uh, Bobby yeah. Douglas' career. He 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 played in 91 games as a quarterback. A 43 yeah. percent completion percentage. <laughs> 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 what were the TDs to intercepts? 36 touchdowns to 64 interceptions. He could run, yeah. though, boy. I'm watching this highlight reel right now. Not a pass in it. <laughs> yeah, he's like Trubisky. Let me guarantee, let me guarantee you, if he was more accurate, he would have had a hell of a lot more interceptions. But sometimes he missed the guys by like 14 feet when there weren't any defensive backs around there. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, he was a tournament. He might have been a number one draft race, I think. Hey, where do you where do you want to see Tom Brady play next year, Pat? I think I want him to go home and hang out with Giselle and uh, raise his family. And uh, uh, you know, he, he doesn't. Uh, maybe he can prove. Maybe he could be like Tony Romo to go from the uh, horrible uh, interviewer to a uh, horrible cliche spewing interviewer to a great uh, uh, TV commentator. I, I don't know. I think it's over. I think he's done. But he's got such a Huge ego, yeah. and he kept told everybody he wanted to play till he was forty-five. He might hang in there, but uh, he's not. Uh, you know, part of the problem is is uh, the receivers he has and everything. But he isn't as accurate as he was. He's uh, you know he's forty-three, he's forty-two, he's forty-three in March. He shouldn't be as accurate as he was. So uh, I don't know. I think it's time for him to hang. 
So the Twins, Pat, what do you think? Donaldson well, out now, it looks like. I, I have. Donaldson, I said out now. Okay, here we got. I get, well, you, are they listen? They usually listen to this, right? The Twins? Oh, yeah, they're, they, yeah, they they sit, oh, they all they all gather in a room like the 1930s. Of course, if you combine this their guy, names, it's Falvin. This guy, this guy is floating around. Yep. He's just as good a hitter as Donaldson. Not quite at the power, but he's a great hitter. And he's uh, he's younger. Sign Castellanos and put him at first base. That guy can hit. My guy Gardy told me last spring that the reason he the reason he's a great hitter is because he can hit great pitching. Mm-hmm. He does as well against very good pitching as he does against bad pitching. And boy, do they need one guy like that when they're going to be facing Garrett Cole, don't they? <laughs> yeah. So you're so you're going you're going Castellanos at first base and then putting Miguel Sano back at third or trading Miguel Sano. No, I'm keeping big. I'm keeping the big man. I'm I'm keeping Miguel. You know, the more I think about it, what the hell? What you know, the way we play modern, the way we shift and everything. I, he's not great at third, but I don't think he'd be great at first anyway. You you can, you know, I, I go back to the generation where uh, you played your stiffs on the corners and the good players in the middle. You know, I could I could put up with the. Uh, with the uh, corner infielders who aren't fantastic, but I, I was, why hasn't he signed yet? He must be asking for a lot more money than somebody wants to pay. Cause yeah, yeah he was great with the Cubs, but he can hit. And he's also probably plan B for a lot of, for the, some of the Josh Donaldson suitors here too, including the twins. So he's probably just waiting at this point. I don't know. I, I, I'd have a hard time giving Donaldson $110 million with, with his injury history. And, uh, but I, as I, I told the, uh, and I said today it would be nice to see him in the same clubhouse with Cruz to see Mr. Mello with Mr. Craze Donaldson. There would be uh, two different personalities, that, and it would be interesting to see how they mix. That's for sure. Yes, it would be. I, I think he wants to go back to Atlanta. Doesn't need ball carries. Blah blah blah. Good club. Yeah. I, I, I think he wants to go back to Atlanta. Well, Pat, we will talk to you tomorrow, and uh, people can find more Roycey on baseball here on the other side of the break. We'll uh, we'll break from our football coverage today, and we'll go to some Roycey on baseball. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Pat. All right, thanks. All right, see ya. So yeah, that's uh, that's our buddy Patrick Roycey. Well, it's been a fun show. Bobby Douglas is amazing. I don't know if you guys have watched this highlight um, reel. I, I don't see some. I don't think you'd think so if you had to watch him Look, on a weekly basis. All I know is a highlight reel, all right? I don't have to yeah. watch him on a weekly yeah, basis. Yeah, he's transferring the I'm football just from one hand to the other. Reel. But this, it was amazing. The stats Phil gave were It was amazing. Uh, he was trucking dudes. It's just hilarious how crappy quarterbacks were in like the early 70s. They were so bad. And they just kept <laughs> so bad. playing games, too. Like They didn't get benched for the most part. They no. just threw picks and smoked cigarettes and kept playing. What a life. See you guys tomorrow. This has been... Uh, been a fun show it's been today. A really good show, yeah. All right. Guys, we had a great Mackie show. Mackie and Judd with Rami, unbelievable. Anywhere you find podcasts, the best show. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.